With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This your 950 KJR Sports Headlines. All right, boys and girls, here we go. Headlines on a Tuesday afternoon right here on 950 KJR. Brought to you, of course, by our friends at VenueKings.com. Suck the Kraken's tentacle. Uh, speaking of that, Kraken Chicago tomorrow night, right? Over at Climate Pledge Arena. Uh, VenueKings.com as your tickets. Be sure and use code SOFTY at checkout for a discount. One game in progress right now, by the way. In the NBA, Nets lead the Warriors 34-29. Steph Curry has 27 points in the first quarter for Golden State. Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm kidding. He's got 12 points for oh, Golden okay. State. Just want right. to make sure you're paying attention. Well, I was paying attention. I was in awe, as a matter of fact. Uh, dogs improved 2-1 and one on the season. They beat Texas Southern last night, 72-65. Terrell Brown leading the Dogs with 20 points. And three Sounders announced as finalists for postseason awards. Joe Paolo, like MVP, it. Yimar Defender of the Year, and our man, Schmetzi. For Coach of the Year. Wow. Who do you think should win that? Schmetzy. You sure about that? No. Okay. Well, we'll ask him when he comes on Thursday. Is that right? At yeah. 5.30 yep. right here on 950 KJR. Uh, the finalists for the American League Manager of the Year were Dusty Baker, Kevin Cash of the Rays, and Scott Service of the Mariners. The winner of the 2021 American League Manager of the Year is uh, Kevin Cash of the Tampa, Ra- Tampa Rays. Back-to-back Manager of the Year for Kevin Cash. Scott Service getting screwed out of the award. Well, here he is, joining us right now on the radio show, one half of that dynamic duo at T-Mobile Park, the general manager of the Seattle Mariners, Jerry Depoto, with us. And Jerry, first of all, thanks for doing this, man. Second of all, when you first started this kind of reboot a couple years ago, I'm sure you had in your mind where you guys would be heading into the 2022 season. I'm wondering if you can give us kind of a status report, kind of a progress report on where you think you are now after the 2021 season came to an end. You know, I, I think we are where we'd hoped we would be or even a little bit ahead of where we thought we might land at this point. And you know, so much is, is due to the, to the players and what they were able to accomplish, especially in the second half of the season and, and especially with our bullpen. I, I think the... You know, th- those combinations of events probably pushed us further along than we could have hoped to be. You mentioned the bullpen there, and they were unbelievable. We do know that there's a lot of variable bullpen uh, production year to year. So how much worry is there about maybe some luck regression, maybe some one-run luck regression next year versus what you had this year? You know, I think the one-run luck is primarily just uh, – attributed to the fact that our bullpen was really good <laughs> so it's a the the obvious is that from a team perspective you know wins and losses it's very hard to predict that you will have that kind of performance in one run games but we've done that fairly regularly you know in the years where we've been a good team 2016 2018 2021 we're very good in one run games and and it, it's largely due to good relievers and you know we play a lot of one run games that's generally been our personality through the years but as far as the regression of the personnel go you know if you dig in on pitch qualities and locations and you know how it is happening you know if you if you take a look at how the sausage was made and not just how it tasted 
it's very real. You know, we saw real steps forward in, in stuff and performance from Paul Seawall and Casey Sadler and Drew Steckenrider. You know, now we have a full season of Diego Castillo. We have a full season to look forward to with Andres Munoz and, and the return of Ken Giles. So it, it's not just sitting and resting on our laurels for for what was a, a wonderful bullpen year. Yeah. We think that we're, we're adding three impact arms for the year that weren't with us last year. And otherwise, we don't really lose uh, the, the same group that finished the, the end of the season with us, with the exceptions of, of Joe Smith and Sean Doolittle, will be back for, for 2022. Yeah, by the way, I have no desire to know how that sausage is made because it tastes good. I, I don't want to ruin the experience by finding out what's inside that bad boy, but Jerry DePoto again is with us. So, okay, overall, then we talk about guys that are coming off the injury list from last year. You got some weapons in the minor leagues that may be on the roster come April. What does this team need to add? What do you think you need to have on your shopping list? in free agency. You know, we've already started to tap those lines and, and we're trying to get in front of the, the players who we feel like fit us best. We've got a number of different meetings, you know, via Zoom and, and actual live meetings set up between now and Thanksgiving. So it's going fast and furious for us right now, maybe more so than than in years past. It's, it's been a very aggressive early market. So you know, we're focused on adding, you know, one or even two starting pitchers and, and feel like that's a, an area where we can certainly build both depth and impact. We're also trying to add that middle-of-the-order type bat, you know, and I guess the better way to put it is someone who hits in the top half of your lineup and, and really has the, the ability to drive some offense. And, and to the extent we could find two players that fit in that category, you know, obviously it's going to be hard to predict, you know, the, the – the mutual interest that will exist between the high end of the free agents and, and the Mariners, but some combination of, of free agent and trade, if we can find you know, an impact bat for our infield to play either second or third base, if we can find one more bat to rotate, and it could be rotating through the outfield or a multi-position uh, player who can do a little infield, a little outfield, or maybe multiple infield positions, we feel like those are ways we can get better and, and still create opportunity for the young players when they're ready. Jerry, let's talk about the timing. Were you surprised no big deals went down at the GM meetings last week? And when should we expect most of these big baseball deals to be uh, undergo over this offseason? You know, I think the first big one just went down with the Tigers and Eduardo Rodriguez, who we think is really good. Uh, you know, he didn't have what I would call an aesthetically great year with, you know, raw run prevention. But he's 28 years old. He's got awesome stuff. He's always been a good performer. He had a wonderful postseason, and his peripheral numbers were really good. So uh, he went off the board, you know, for a five-year deal, and, and that's, the, I, I guess, the kickoff of, of big free agency. And this is about as early as you ever see deals like that, you know. Historically, you don't see uh, big free agent deals going down at the, the GM meetings. That's something that's more typically reserved for the winter meetings or somewhere in between. And, and my guess is that, that this year it's going to be the somewhere in between. And, and while Eduardo Rodriguez was the first, I'm sure there are going to be a number of, of, of other deals that hit the, the books before Thanksgiving. Well, Jerry, you mentioned finding a bat at second or third. Uh, my antennas went up there when you just mentioned those two spots and did not mention shortstop or first base. I assume you feel pretty good about Ty France at first base, but if another player at first base or even shortstop came available, are you willing to uh, to bump Ty France or J.P. Crawford, or do you feel like you're pretty locked in and married to those guys as starters right now? 
Well, I guess the, the locked in for sure. You know, we feel like JP, first of all, I, I've already shared it with him. I know Scott's talked to him, and, and, and this dates back to the end of the season. Uh, called him a, a week or, or, or two into the offseason to, to confirm that he is our shortstop and, and made him aware that he was going to see that we were attached to, you know, trying to recruit some of the, the higher talent and free agency many of whom are, are naturally shortstops, but our intent is that, that JP is the shortstop and that whoever we do bring in is willing to, to switch positions. Uh, you know, JP is an impact defender who has become a real driver for us and an emotional leader for us. And we just don't think it's wise to take someone who's accomplished so much and just continues to get better yeah. and move him off the position that he's naturally uh, gifted toward. And, okay. and with Ty... He earned our respect with the yeah. way he performed. He is our first baseman, but he's also versatile enough and willing to go play other positions if necessary. But the combination of Ty France and what we hope is, is a healthy Evan White coming back makes first base far less a concern for us than anywhere else. We think we're in great shape there. Okay, let me, let me follow that up then and ask the question that I know everybody in the audience is asking then. Let's live in a world here for a second where Carlos Correa wants to play for the Mariners. But he tells you, I want to play shortstop. And if I can't play shortstop, I'm not coming. Do you tell Carlos Correa no? Of course. We already told JP yes. Wow. <laughs> you know, that, that's part of the, the decisions you make is, you know, JP Crawford is our shortstop. And, and, and I, can't, I can't tell him this is your position and then change my mind because we were able to access a player that we would, we would all count as fortunate to have. But, you know, we, we believe in JP and what he brings to our team. And we think there are many other ways that we can uh, create impact with the Mariners and, and other names that, that fit for us outside of just Carlos Correa. You've got one more year of control on Mitch Hanniger. What's your long-term plan? To determine where we go once we get into the, the 2022 season. Uh, you know, we'll continue to be open-minded toward Mitch spending the, you know, anything from the foreseeable future to the rest of his career with the Mariners. And those are conversations that we'll have privately and are probably best left that way. Yeah, all right. Jerry DePoto again is with us on the radio show. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, we all got a taste of what this minor league system can produce with Jared Kalanick and Logan Gilbert and, and other players last year. Uh, where does Julio Rodriguez stand on the, on the depth chart, on the ladder, uh, in your mind, heading into Peoria? Uh, he stands very tall. <laughs> in addition to actually being very tall, he's, he's also uh, quite good and continues to get better. What he did last year at multiple stops in the minor leagues, in addition to playing for Team Dominican and the Olympics, thriving at every one of those spots. What's he doing? What he's doing for us now in high performance camp down in Peoria. Uh, it's, it's Julio's time is going to come very quickly, and that could be as early as opening day next year. Uh, you know, he, he'll come to camp with an opportunity to make an impact on our team. And, and to be fair, part of that is going to, to be connected to what we do in the offseason uh, with the additions we just talked about. Uh, if we don't add somebody in the outfield, then you know he has a wide open avenue. If we do, it's going to be a little bit harder to, to achieve that. But you know, as, as was the case with Jared and with Logan with, and ultimately with George Kirby, with Julio Rodriguez, we feel like when it's their time, we're just going to clear the way and give them the opportunity to go play because – that's why we've done what we've done over these last handful of years. Do you see Abraham Toro as a opening day starter, and if so, where? Uh, it, 
either second or third base, and and probably is the answer to that. I think he did an awesome job for us. He's, he he was smoking hot when he first came over from Houston, which was coming off of a three week stretch where he was also smoking hot for the Astros. And not surprisingly, he slumped in September. You know, nobody stays smoking hot forever. But you know, we think we have an above average offensive player who's a switch hitter who makes contact, who gets on base. You know, who I think is a very good defender at third base and proved in a very short window that he could improve as a second baseman where he had very little experience leading up to it. He's a good athlete, he can run, and he's got sneaky power. So, you know, our intent is to go into the season with Abraham either starting at second or third or, you know, playing in a a multi position role where he's bouncing between the two and getting everyday type at bats. Uh, Jerry DePoto again with us on the radio show, Mariner General Manager here on Softy and Dick on 950 KJR. And Jerry, uh, we've seen this franchise, you know, dole out big money contracts uh, to guys like Robinson Cano, Richie Sexton, Adrian Beltre, Felix Hernandez, Kyle Seager. Most of those were before your time, obviously. But, you know, you mentioned going after a starting pitcher. I'm not saying there's a guy like this on the market right now. But, for example, last year, Garrett Cole got nine years, $324 million. Could you see if this franchise making a offer like that, or are deals like that in your mind non-starters for this team? Yeah, it's an unfair question to ask. It's, it's case by case, and it's it's player by player. So okay. we have to be open-minded to, to where the market goes, who we're interested in, and you know, setting limits on yourself in, in that regard is just silly without considering all of the, the factors involved. Well, I think that's a good, but, but to me, that's a good answer because you're telling us right now that it's not off the table. You know, I mean, that's that you're not, you are not eliminating deals like that if it makes sense for the franchise. That's what I'm hearing from you. Yeah, we're we're gonna we're open minded going into this offseason. We've created a ton of flexibility both on the field and with our payroll, and you know, it's a we want to address what we don't think are are a host of of holes on our club. We, yeah. We'd like to add, you know, two bats. We'd like to add some some additional versatility because that's hugely valuable in the game today. And we feel like we need an arm or two in our rotation. We love where our bullpen's at. We love where our farm system's at. We love the the young players who are progressing on our roster. And that mid-tier of of young veteran player we have, guys like Mitch and Marco and, you know, what's now growing into JP with Ty France and, and, you know, Chris Flex, and it's, it's such a nice group of players to, to start and build with, and, and we've made up so much ground that, that uh, we don't want to overwhelm that group. We don't want to rebuild our roster. We've, we've done this over time, and, and now is our chance to go fill in the gaps, and, and we feel like we're, we're well on our way. Jerry, tell me about Seiya Suzuki, and will the Mariners be involved in the bidding? Yeah, you know, should we get to that point? He's uh, he's he's at this point, you know, still part of the Hiroshima Carp and and projected to 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 be posted at some point. But we don't know if that's uh, that's one hundred percent true. And of course, we are going to be interested in and in say he's a wonderful player and he's he's the right age. You know, he's he's right in the prime of what is has been an awesome career in Japan and and you know, obviously, portends to be a, a good transition. To, to a major league talent, but it's it's hard to say before he's actually posted uh, what that's going to look like, when it's going to look like that, yeah. and, and we have to be conscious of what our roster looks like. You know, he is a, a right fielder by trade, and you know, with Mitch Haniger, with Julio Rodriguez, with Jared Kelnick, you know, and and others, 
that uh, it's probably not the area that was most critical to us heading into the offseason. But when you have the opportunity to to consider a talent like that, you, you have to take the time to look into it. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Jerry DePoto with us. And, Jerry, at the end of the year, there were all kinds of stories that came out. I, you know, I'm sure you saw most of it, you know, from the way the whole Graveman deal came down to people's thoughts on the way the Seeger thing was handled. Did you think there was anything out there about your relationship with players, for example, that you thought was unfair that you want to correct? I, I feel like a lot of it was was unfair, but the the one thing I've learned over time is that you're not going to win, you know, the, the the war of the pen. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's, uh, I, I I I'm comfortable with with what we've done as a franchise. I can't say that that I or anyone else in our group is perfect, and we all have our flaws, as do most that we we work with in some way, shape, or form. But you know, I think we have a welcoming uh, environment to players. We have been very clear and communicative with what the expectations are. We have a very clear plan of what we're trying to achieve, and and we try to message that. I'm also a believer in chain of command, and you know, I, I do believe that the, the the clubhouse space is for the players, and that the the management of the team on the field is for Scott Service and for our major league coaches and. You know, to, so to the extent I'm not down there pulling strings, sitting in the dugout, or, or changing lineup cards, I have not done that. But you know, hopefully our players know, and I think most of them do, that you know that I do care, that we do communicate. I am you know on a friendly basis with with all of them. I, I thought, <laughs> and and frankly, I've I've not had a cross word with many through the years. It's, uh, you know, try to be as supportive as we can with the players and. And, you know, it's a, the, the story's got a little bit out of hand. You know, for instance, when, when, whenever it's time to, to, to part ways and you are not renewing a, an option, whenever you, you know, let a player go on waivers or, or claim a player on waivers, there, there are actual protocols that Major League Baseball has in place that you're required to follow among them you know, advising everyone via email uh, so that can be confirmed. That's a, it's a very normal uh, and, and common, actually required uh, stage of, of the, the protocol. So I, I don't know. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. Have I done something in, in my lifetime to, uh, to occasionally stir up a player or raise a hair? I'm certain, just yeah. as, as that was true when I was playing. But I, am, I, I again, feel like our players – hopefully know that that you know we love them here we try to build the best environment we can and and we are uh, we're right there with them in every way we can be jerry were you surprised that you say turned down his player option you know a little bit i, I think the, the 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 time in seattle his appreciation for the city the fact that he owned a home here uh, i know Rumi, his wife was was fond of seattle we thought that made it uh, a little more likely that he would choose to stay on the the one year uh, i guess term so to that end we were a little surprised but knowing that you've got a 30 year old left-hander with a fastball in the mid to upper 90s who when at his best has performed at an all-star level is uh, that's why it, the, the open market is interesting to, to players. And it, it doesn't shock me that you say wanted to, to see what was out there for him. So I uh, can't say it was, it was 
more than a little surprising, but uh, I wish him well. I think he's going to land somewhere good. Yeah, all right, Jerry DePoto. Listen, man, great stuff. Appreciate this. The hot stove is going to be fun uh, this offseason. Everyone's all fired up for next year to see what you can brew up in 2022. So go get him in free agency. Work that trade market, baby, and we'll talk down the road, man. Appreciate Thanks, this, Jerry. You got it, guys. You bet. Jerry DePoto with us. Wow. A lot to go over there. Yes, Let's sir. chew on that. Coming up next right here on Softy and Dick on 950K. Love. Now back to Softy and Dick on your home for the 12th man in the NFL. Seattle Sports Radio 950, KJR, and free on the iHeartRadio app. Let's live in a world here for a second where Carlos Correa wants to play for the Mariners. But he tells you, I want to play shortstop. And if I can't play shortstop, I'm not coming. Do you tell Carlos Correa no? Of course. We already told JP yes. Wow. <laughs> you know, that, that's part of the, the decisions you make is, you know, JP Crawford is our shortstop. All right. Well, they're in love with JP Crawford. So that's a no go on Carlos Correa. And, you know, look, maybe it's one of those situations where he knows they're not getting Carlos Correa. So it's easy to tell JP Crawford, correct. you're our guy. Um, I would want to shoot for the moon if I were uh, Jerry DePoto, and I would want to go after every big-time free agent walking the face of the earth. Um, and I'm glad to hear Jerry DePoto say that there are no restrictions on contracts. You know, uh, he, uh, he said it was unfair to ask about the deal that Garrett Cole got from the Yankees uh, and then said, look, we're not going to put any limits. We're going to have open minds. Well, then that means that you're basically telling us that the possibility of a Garrett Cole deal is out there for this baseball team. I'm a little bit quizzical on why he would tell JP that he's your short. Like, why would you tell him that mm-hmm. in October, right? Like, wouldn't that be something that you just tell him in spring training if you don't get yeah. somebody better at that position? Yeah, I just, uh, I look, I don't know. Obviously, they're, there's something about him that they love. Uh, I, I don't get it, you know? I mean, the guy's never had an, an OPS over 800. He's not a power guy, doesn't hit for power. He's a really good defensive player. He's a very good defensive player, great. But again, this team needs offense, right? We That's know true. that. I mean, Jerry DePoto just told you they're looking for a middle-of-the-order bat to play either second or third base. And uh, I would hope that they would not close any doors whatsoever. And you know what? If I J.P. Crawford, I would go to Jerry DePoto and say, hey, look, if you can get Carlos Correa, get him. I'll, I'll learn to do something else. I'll go play second base. I'll go play third. I will go fi- I will go find a trainer somewhere in Florida, and I will go find whoever, you know, um, give me the best second baseman, the Mariner, he, Brett Boone. Yeah. Okay? Brett Boone can teach me how to throw guys out from the oh, infield grass on my ass. He played second. I will do that. He played okay? second and third in right. Philadelphia. Exactly. So it's not exactly. like he has to relearn the yes. position. So I, I would think that making that next step, that signing guys like that, making deals like that, is part of it. I mean, he just gave you the blueprint. We need two starting pitchers, and we need two hitters. And obviously, there's other spots. The catcher position, we all know, has to be upgraded. We'll wait on Kyle Lewis to see what happens with him. I, I think, frankly, Jared Kelnick needs to play left field, not center field. So I'm hoping they can put him back in that position and let him flourish out there. But I also believe that this is a fan base that is not going to give Jerry DePoto a lot of patience heading in the next year. They won 90 games this year, and the clear next step is to make the damn postseason in 2022. If that doesn't happen, there's going to be a lot of frustration, and there I, should be. I liked his answers as far as what he thinks the team needs. I think that jives with what most Mariner fans think the team needs. Mm-hmm. A couple middle-of-the-order type bats and two starting pitchers. I think yeah. that's exactly what most Mariner fans say. Now I was, you know, 
reading between the lines when he said, it's hard to predict the interest in the high free agent market. And I understand that, yet... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. If you're telling me money's no option, right? then can, not, not you can't get everybody, but you can overpay by 15, 20 percent and turn that no into a yes yeah, pretty a darn easily. Yeah. Well, 20 percent of it is, I mean, what are we talking about? 20 percent of 200 million, 20 percent of 300 million. Yeah, you're talking about extra 40, 50 million dollars probably. could be a boatload of money. And I, I could see John Stanton kind of, you know, passion on something like that. You know, I heard uh, uh, Puck and Jim Moore were debating about what size market Seattle really is. You know, is it a is it a small market? Is it a mid-sized it's a market? market? Well, what you're doing is you've got it because what Jason was doing, and people always say things like, I don't mean any disrespect, but then they nail a guy, yeah. right? I don't mean any disrespect for what Puckett was saying today, but... What was he saying? He was missing the point that we're not comparing Seattle to every city in America. We're comparing Seattle to every city in the major leagues. That's the only thing that matters. The 30 cities that have Major League Baseball teams is what we should be comparing Seattle to. And if you're literally going to cut it into thirds, top 10, middle 10, bottom 10, then Seattle, by definition, compared to other Major League teams, is a mid-major market. What did he say? He said it was not a mid-major market. He's talking about how you know it's the highest you know average per capita or second highest per capita income. We have Fortune 500 companies. Seattle's a great place to live, blah, blah, blah. Well, first of all, every city in America is a great place to live to somebody. That's number one. And then number two, like anything, when it comes to free agents... The guys will go where the bag is. They'll go where the money is. And if the Mariners offer the most money, simply put, then players will come. If they don't, they likely won't. Exactly. And and I wouldn't even divide big, medium, and small by 10, 10, and 10. There's really only five or six major, major, big market baseball teams. I mean, that's it. I mean, I would think, and there's probably only seven or eight 
small, small markets. Yeah. I think most of them are in the tier where the Mariners are. I well, mean, other than, yeah. like, who are they? Uh, LA, Yankees, Chicago, Red Sox, New Do- York. Yeah, Dodgers, Houston Giants. Houston is a big market. Atlanta's a big market. I mean, you know, look, I mean, I, 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 we, could, we could judge this by whatever metric you want, but, again, we're not comparing it to, you know, Oklahoma City because Oklahoma City does not have a baseball team. We're not comparing it to Sacramento. We're comparing it to... Oakland is the smallest market, potentially one of them, Cincinnati, places like that out there. So that's what we're talking about. But here's the point. It shouldn't matter what market the Mariners are. They spent no money on their payroll a year ago, and they are spending no money right now on paper for their payroll in 2022. It shouldn't matter whether you're in Puyallup or New York City. Which is exactly why... I go back to the overpaying by 15, 20%. That's exactly why you should be able to do that because you were spending the last three years with this plan. And this plan was to rebuild everything, yeah. not spend any money. Right. So for the time when the time comes that you want to spend the money, not only do you have money from 2021, you got some money from 2018 to 2020 to spend as well. Well, they haven't I mean, look, the the amount of money they've spent in the last 3 or 4 years doesn't even equal the amount of money a team like the Astros or the Yankees spend or the Dodgers money. or the Padres spent in 2021. All right, the uh, 2022 spot track has a uh, payroll tracker for next year. The Mariners, as of right now, have $44 million on the books. 44 <laughs> for next year. The Yankees have uh, over a, uh, a quarter billion on the books for next year. Okay, so they absolutely need to be a gigantic player for every player yes. out there, including yes. Carlos Correa. 539, Joel Klatt will join the radio show at 6.05. He's normally at 4.30 on Mondays. He'll be on the air this afternoon with us and give us his thoughts on who his number one choice would be to replace Jimmy Lake at UW. It's all coming up in the 6 p.m. hour right here on Softy and Dick on 950 K. Now back to Softy and Dick on your home for the 12th man in the NFL. Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR and free on the iHeartRadio app. So I have a uh, a stat here that I just saw on Twitter. I got one two for you. Let's do a little stats for losers. This one's going to make your head pop off your neck. Okay. It'll make Mount Fane just Okay. I mean like lava just gooing oozing all over the studio. So we may want to back out of here, actually, because this is going to get bad. So Bob Condota tweeted at 314 today, I know yardage stats can be misleading, but it's a little eyebrow-raising to see the Hawks rank 30th in total offense and 31st in total defense nine games into the year, to which I can imagine you saying, yards don't matter. All that matters is scoring. To which I would then come back to you and say, The time of possession for the Hawks is totally out of whack. All of us agree on that. Absolutely. Right? How much of that is on the offense and how much of that is on the defense? Because, look, scoring-wise, you're exactly right. I would have taken 17 nine ways till Sunday before the game with the Packers this last weekend. But Green Bay also had in the first half two six-plus-minute drives. They had a six-plus-minute drive in the second half and a five-plus-minute drive in the second half as well where the Seahawks did not have any of that in the game. And I wonder if the yards is getting to be problematic because it's just not allowing the offense, combined with their own ineptitude, to get into a rhythm when the defense just cannot get off the field. Is that a fair criticism, or is this all on the offense? Is the time of possession problem all an offensive problem and nothing to do with the defense whatsoever? With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Um, I would say 75-25 probably. Mm. I'd say it's probably 75% mm. on the offense and, and 25% okay. of the defense. Yeah, I mean, when you're a bend-but-don't-break defense that that is giving up long drives and then stiffens up in the, in the red zone, it's great for holding your points down, but it's not great for wearing out your right. defense because right. you are playing more plays on the defensive side of the football. So I can, I, I can totally buy that. But, you know, again, the, the yards thing, it just it, – it just does nothing for me, or very mm. little for me, because I'm looking here now at the scoring offense and scoring defense and where the Seattle Seahawks rank. And points allowed per game, Seattle, and, and I mentioned a few weeks ago, I thought Seattle was going to finish in the top ten, and they're ninth now. They are ninth in scoring, in a, in scoring defense in the NFL. Okay. And with the, the Texans coming up, and the Niners again coming up, and the yeah. Washington football yeah, team gotcha. coming up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they are going to finish in the top well, 10 in points per game. What I don't understand is is how somebody could say it's a big nothing burger and then admit at the same time that a bend-but-don't-break defense isn't doing your offense a ton of favors. It's I not mean, doing a ton of favors. It can't be a nothing burger. It can't. Right. I, I gave mean, you, I said it was 75-25. No, no, no. You're, but you, then you said yards don't matter at all. I, I mean, yards have to matter because at some point you give up too many yards where your offense cannot get on the field. Like, for example, if your defense gives up a 10-play, a 9.5-minute drive, but they hold the opponent to a field goal because mm-hmm. they play great red zone defense, that's 9.5 minutes where Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, and Lockett are sitting on the sideline right. with their thumb up their ass. That's right. Okay? So it, it's not a nothing burger it's got to be cleaned up and I also think the takeaways I mean right now the Hawks are 25th in the NFL in takeaways I mean Jamal Adams has an interception on Sunday and the guy acts like he just won the damn Super Bowl for crying out loud so that's been a problem and I think that's one of Pete Pete Carroll's tenants are protect the football on offense and take it away on defense Mm -hmm. and they're not doing half of that right now at all the San Francisco 49ers in last night's game yes ran the ball right 18 first downs out of the first 19 first downs they saw and led 24 to 7 okay. on the LA Rams. They're also 3 and 5. That is how you beat the LA Rams. They're 3 and 5. 
But are, that's how you beat the L.A. Rams. Okay, but they're five. Actually, I'm sorry. They're a four and because five football now, team. Because now they've beaten the Rams five times in a row, and they've used a very similar similar formula to beat the Rams every okay. single got, time. They also got a pick six. That kind of helped to put them up 14 nothing. Full control of the game, 14 okay, nothing. They scored 31 points. So they, they scored 24 yeah. on offense. Yeah. That's no, I, mean, I, I agree with Dick. If, if you're saying that, that uh, you're shifting the conversation now to a different topic, which well, is no, I'm not. how to beat the Rams. I, no, no, but, right? but I'm also, is that your but I'm also if saying... You're, if you're telling me that you're taking what the Niners are doing offensively and using that as a blueprint for success overall, I can't dance with you on that. I'm What I'm saying is the 49ers do not not have time of possession problems because they lean on the run game. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. Well, then ask the head coach, and there's a clip we have here, why the hell they're not running the ball. Because we keep hearing over and over and over again from Pete Carroll, we have to run the ball, we have to run the ball, we have to run the ball. And then guess what happens on game day? They don't run the ball. So what the hell's going on? Where's the disconnect? Right? Why? Why? If the head coach continues to come out and talk about wanting to pound the rock... Why do we find ourselves every single Monday complaining about how infrequently they run the ball? What is he doing over there? Does he forget? Does he wake up and have a lobotomy and not know what came out of his mouth the day before? What's going on here? Well, the only thing I can explain is he's leaving it carte blanche for Shane Waldron. (laughs) Okay, then how could that be, though? How could Pete Carroll be so vocal in public about his desire to run the ball and then show up on game day and say, do whatever the hell you want. Here's Pete. Is this Pete Carroll? And and Greg Bell asking the question. Greg Bell asking Pete Carroll exactly the question you and I are talking about right now. Sir, back to the run. This is many times now in the last couple years you said we needed to run the ball more than we did. Is that the quarterback changing plays at the line? Is that the offensive coordinator just not calling the play? What's going on no, it's, it's uh, again, in this game, it's not making first downs, Greg. You know, there's not enough chances. We, we came out and ran the ball, hit, hit 11, hit a 6, you know, and, and got, got some, some movement and some space, but then we didn't convert and we're off the field. And, and uh, you know, we, we have been in this rhythm a lot this year where the, our opponent will move the ball to kill some clock and, and, and we're playing good defense, but it's still heating up clock. And when we're not making first downs on the other side, all of a sudden the half is just just squished into nothing, you know. And so, um, you know, it's just, it's, there's just hasn't, we're not creating enough movement and that means we have to drive the ball better. So that's, that comes from being efficient on first and second down. Mm-hmm. And obviously you need to convert, but we would rather be, you know, Making first and second down move for us, so we make some first downs there as well. And it just it hasn't hasn't caught fire the way it needs to. And so, um, it, you know, we're still it's still a work, it's still a work for us. I, I I just don't think the Seahawks are going to contend for a championship again unless Pete Carroll ends up turning this running game into an elite run, running yep. game, or yep. he has an elite defense. One of the other. I think you're exactly right. I think you're exactly right. And and we've mentioned the stats before when Chris Carson. Has what was it last year? I I had the stat for stats are for loser. I believe it was seventeen carries. When Chris Carson has seventeen carries or more, there was something like twenty four and six mm-hmm. when that happens. And when when he doesn't, they were like ten and twelve. I mean, it is a huge difference when this offense has a run game going. Yeah. They Let's, become an elite team when this team has with a defense they have right now. Yeah. If they had a run game like that, I don't think they do. That would bring the safeties down. They'd be able to hit those shots over the top, and they would be a big time powerhouse in the NFC. Yeah, they don't, but they don't have that. I mean, right? Well, I mean, they just don't. We're going to find out a lot tomorrow about Chris Carson. I, we're going to yeah. find out a lot tomorrow. I and, and I, 
I'm I with don't you. I don't think it's going to happen. Chris Carson but. can do that, and I think extending Chris Carson looks like a mistake. Yeah, it does. Right now. It does. And it's not the money they gave him. It's the opportunity they did not give somebody else to be their starting running back. Let's get a break. Joel Klatt is going to join us from Fox Sports and give us some thoughts on what UW needs to do at the head coach spot. Who should be walking the sideline for the Huskies next year? Coming up on 950 KJR. Your 950 KJR Sports Headlines. Yeah, baby, here we go. Headlines on a Tuesday night right here on 950 KJR brought to you by our friends at VenueKings.com. The stupid, i got to say, it's the stupidest thing in sports. Looking for tickets for the Kraken Blackhawks tomorrow. Cardinal Seahawks on Sunday of the Apple Cup next week. VenueKings.com has you covered. Use code SOFTY at checkout for a little discount, baby. Hey, guess what? The Golden State Warriors are back. They are beating the Nets in Brooklyn, 73-63, mid-third. Steph Curry's got 25. Golden State looking for a win number 12 in their first 14 games of the year. Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, and Ohio State remain your top four teams in the new college football playoff poll. Cincy and Michigan still 5-6. You know, there's a part of me that hopes Oregon makes the Final Four just so they can get oh poop canned God. by It'll Alabama. Uh, end of two in Toronto. Maple Leafs up on the Preds, 1-0. Panthers hammering the Islanders 5-1 early third uh, from Florida. And the Rangers lead the Canadiens 3-2. Also third from New York. Again, the Kraken tomorrow, 7 o'clock against Chicago. Some signings in baseball. Angels signed veteran starter Noah Syndergaard, one year, 21 mil. Blue Jays have signed pitcher Jose Berrios, seven years, 131 million. And football, I believe you call it soccer. World Cup qualifier, USA, Jamaica, tie at one. And how about this? The Ravens waving veteran running back Le'Veon Bell. You want Le'Veon Bell? No. In Seattle? It's old and slow. No? Who do you want that's not old and slow? To actually run the ball in Seattle. Right now, you got to go with Alex Collins. There's nobody out there better. Tell Pete Carroll that, all right? Billy Epler has been hired as the new GM of the Mets. Who is Billy Epler? He took over for Jerry Depoto as GM of the Angels in 2015 when Jerry left. Husky Basketball announcing a new performance center that will be ready to go in 2024. The Huskies have the night off. They're back on Thursday against Wyoming. 7.30 pregame, 8 o'clock tip-off right here on 9.50 KJR. All right, joining us right now on the program, you normally hear him on Mondays at 4.30 and to shuffle some stuff around because of a crazy week here on the radio station. Joel Klatt from Fox Sports, courtesy of our friends at VenueKings.com. Can't wait to hear what Joel thinks should be the number one target to replace Jimmy like it's time to talk college football with fox sports joel clapp brought to you by venue kings visit venuekings.com now with joel clapp here's softy and dip all right let's get to it uh a segment you would normally hear on mondays at 4 30 but having to juggle a few things around with this crazy week uh, courtesy of venuekings.com our friend from fox sports looking for seahawk cardinal tickets by the way venuekings.com can get you in the door use code softy at checkout for a discount joel clatt with us on the radio program joel how are you pal Good, Bob. What's going on? How are you guys today? Well, we're good. Uh, never a dull moment, baby, up here in <laughs> Seattle. Uh, never a dull moment in the state of Washington. Who would have thought that in, uh, what, uh, nine, ten days from now, the Apple Cup will be coached in Seattle between the Huskies and, Tugger, uh, and Cougars with not one but two interim coaches at Washington State and UW. And we've talked about Nick Rolovich. Let's get your thoughts on the firing of Jimmy Lake on Sunday. The floor is yours. Go. 
Well, I mean, I know that we we had speculated when was that last week after the suspension came down for the altercation on the sidelines, and and it just seems like it didn't fit unless there was something bigger going on, and and clearly there was. So, um, you know, Washington is one of those places I've always viewed it as as a top tier program in college football, and really should be playing at the top end of the Pac-12 most years, if not every single year, and competing at the top end of college football. And it has deteriorated a little bit. And and listen, Jimmy didn't have a ton of time, but it's pretty clear, at least to me, that the administration felt like the trajectory of the program was not pointed in the right direction. And they felt like rather than bottoming out, we need to turn this thing and, and you know, go full on right turn and, and try to make a correction here mid course. So I, I'm not going to harp all over the administration. I don't think it's good in the general sense for college football, the number of head coaches that have been fired midseason. I do not think that that's a positive thing for our sport overall. I certainly understand a lot of these decisions and moves that will be made, and I'm not saying that everyone needs to be retained. I just wish that this would happen in December. Now, that's not necessarily the fault of the administration you know, whether it's at Washington or USC or any number of these places, because, guys, the early recruiting period has presented an unintended consequence of a sense of urgency in these moves that you've got to make decisions and, and get the, you know, the recruits uh, at least engaged with a potential uh, coaching change moving forward. Last thing I would say on this is that I don't think that th- that this – is completely about this incident. Incident. I do think that it somewhat has to do with the trajectory of the program and where they feel like they're out at. And also, you know, don't don't minimize. And I'm sure you guys have talked about this. The effect of losing basically the two best recruits in the state of Washington to Ohio State last year. And and I think that was a little bit of a red flag for the administration as well. Do you think this incident was the excuse they needed? Because do you think it would have been hard for them to rationalize firing a guy after 16 games, uh, particularly if he were to turn the program around in the last three weeks and get him to a bowl game? Totally. There's there's no doubt. I think that the same could be said at Texas Tech with Matt Wells, hmm. right? Like they didn't want Matt to, to get bowl eligible in the last few weeks with Texas Tech. They didn't want the program to get their sixth win. And so they made a change because they felt like culturally it wasn't working. Whether we get to six or even seven, it doesn't matter. The culture of what we wanted in our program versus what he's bringing to our program was not a good fit. And I think that that is, is very much the case at Washington, which is why they wanted to make a change. Now um, there's no reason to get, you know, an extra win at the end people. And don't also don't, don't minimize the effect that, the the length of Clay Helton's tenure at USC because he would constantly win the one or two games at the end that it was like well let's give him another year and everyone knew that it wasn't necessarily the best thing long term but they kept giving him another year and I think a lot of the administrators around the country looked at that and they 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 viewed that as a cautionary tale yeah. 
Well, Joe Klatt is with us, and you mentioned something there that's been a point of debate the last couple of days. Uh, Bruce Feldman, one of your co-workers over at Fox, of course, was on the radio show with us yesterday, and he still looks at the UW job as a, as a premier gig. Uh, said it was one of the top three jobs on the West Coast, and there's been some fans, uh, mostly Cougar fans, by the way, that are debating how attractive this Husky job is today. Uh, expand on that. Um, there's a lot of layers. So great question. First of all, great question. But there's so many layers. There's more layers now than there's ever been because of the narrative of conference strength and how that plays into the national perception of your program. Wouldn't you agree? Mm -hmm. Okay. So the the narrative surrounding the PAC 12 is very low right now. And I I think that five, 10 years ago, pre-playoff era, the Washington job may have had a little bit more prestige than it does now. However, I'm here to tell you, I absolutely think that this is a job that is a, a top-tier job on the West Coast. The, the three best jobs on the West Coast are Washington, Oregon, and USC. Um, and, and really, those are the three best jobs west of Oklahoma and Texas. Mm-hmm. So like, I, yeah, that's, that's where you're at. I, I still believe that there is a, a solid natural recruiting base up in the Pacific Northwest. You're in a conference where you can get down to the Southern California area and you can recruit to your conference. You can recruit some of the best players in the country. You've got great tradition. You've got winning tradition. Um, it's one of the most beautiful venues I've ever been to in my entire life. And I'm not just saying football stadiums. I'm just saying beautiful venues. It, it, like Husky Stadium is – it's the most special venue in college football, maybe outside of the actual Rose Bowl game. And it's coming from a Colorado Buffalo, right? I mean, like Boulder's pretty special, guys. I, I, I think that the Flatirons and Husky, there's something about Husky Stadium right there. And like I said, I just, I view this job very much the same way Bruce does. The only knock, only knock is, is the depths at which the conference finds itself in right now in particular from a revenue distribution standpoint. But having said that, if they can get that fixed with George, uh, George Kolopkov, then, then I think Washington goes right back up to that, that pedestal where they're, I think, a, a top 10, 12, maybe 15 job in the entire country. Well, Jen Cohen said Sunday that money is not going to be a problem in recruiting the coach. So with that being said, before we get into maybe specific names, how about generally what type of coach should Jen Cohen be looking for? I've always felt, and and I will continue to say this, and and to be fair, I say this across the country at, at every different radio show that asks me about the specific opening that they're interested in. And I always say the exact same thing. The athletic director's directive and job should be get the best possible football coach you can, period. I've always felt like trying to narrow it down based on offensive or defensive or personality style or, or cultural deal. Throw that out the window. You get the best possible football coach that you can get, and you do that with a large budget, and you do that with all the resources and, and, and the natural resources that you have there at Washington. I personally think, and I've thought this for a long time, a guy that I think would do really well at Washington is Kalani Sataki. 
he's the guy I would target if okay. I was Jen Cohen, but I'm not Jen Cohen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's the one name that stands out to me that I feel like would be a terrific fit. Okay, Joel Klatt with us from Fox Sports. Uh, the natural follow-up question is why? More on Kalani. Kalani's teams always play a very physical brand of football. And I believe that in that conference, which is a very eclectic style of football, more so than maybe other conferences that generally play, you know, the same way throughout their conferences with a couple of exceptions. They're so eclectic in the Pac-12 that you have got to be great at the line of scrimmage. When Washington was winning the Pac-12, it was because they could dominate the line of scrimmage, in particular on the defensive side. Utah is that way, and that's why they have been uh, at the top end of the conference is because they're great at the line of scrimmage. This is how BYU plays. I also believe that Kalani really understands how to get a team to buy into what he's selling. He's a passionate individual that's very smart. He's a defensive-oriented coach that emphasizes toughness and family. And for my seat, that's why I think he's the best possible candidate that they could go after. Well, I like him as well. And another reason I like him is this Polynesian pipeline that we've already gotten established here at Washington. I got to imagine that Washington's got more from the Polynesian pipeline than any schools other than BYU and Utah. So that kind of seems like a natural uh, transition. It's uneasy territory when you're talking, you know, about just certain uh, sectors or groups of individuals, right? And so I want to tread lightly, but I would say that on the West Coast, the teams that play great at the line of scrimmage generally have a terrific tie to the Polynesian culture on the West Coast. Um, I think that those players are tough. I think that they play hard. And, and generally speaking, they are what make an offensive or defensive line great on, in this portion of the country. And I don't think it's very um, possible, to be honest with you, um, to be great at the line of scrimmage without a, a really good tie uh, to get several, if not more than several, Polynesian players on, onto your team. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, Maybe that's the home run hire that you're talking about. I know a lot of people have mentioned a lot of names, and this is kind of silly season, Joel, when it comes to coaches because, you know, you hear everything from Chris Peterson coming back to Pete Carroll stepping down from the Hawks and going over to coach on Motlake. So everybody has an opinion, but one name that's come up, and I'm curious to get your take on this, Chris Peterson is going to be a part of the search process, as is Jeff Tedford, by the way. And Chris Peterson has a relationship with Bob Stoops. There's some thought that maybe Bob would like to get back. Do you see that as a, a realistic alternative for UW? Um, I, I don't. Um, I don't think Bob wants to coach anymore. Yeah. Do you think, were you surprised at Gary Patterson's removal at TCU? And would you see him wanting to jump back in as a fit? Gary's excellent. I think uh, I was surprised at the way that it happened. Uh, Gary had talked about um, at times and even mentioned to me in the last couple of years the word retirement. Um, But I know that this left a bad taste in his mouth. And so there's certainly, I'm sure, part of Gary, who's one of the more competitive coaches I've ever been around. I'm sure there's part of him that wants to end on a higher note than what has happened in the last couple of weeks. Um, And that's absolutely a, a call I would make. 
Well, Joel Klatt from Fox Sports with us for a few more minutes. And obviously, uh, the other question besides who will be the head coach of this football team is, what are you doing at quarterback down the road? And they've got a five-star pro-style system quarterback and Sam Heward waiting in the wings. Uh, Does a new coach come in and mold the offense around number seven, the, uh, the prize possession? Or does the new coach come in and go find a quarterback that fits his offense regardless of scheme? I will tell you, when I talk with coaches, whether it's coordinators or head coaches across the country, and they start evaluating whether they want to take jobs, they look at resources, yes, they look at salaries, they look at all of those things. But one of the things that they look at is who's the quarterback. And I think that that's going to be one of the feathers in the cap of Jen Cohen in trying to recruit and potentially get the best possible candidate that they can get is I feel like they've got a quarterback that people will be like, boy, that's interesting. you got a really young, talented five-star kid that maybe I can build this program around that hasn't you know, gotten on the field yet so he can be a fresh start with me. Joel, big game in the Pac-12. Let's talk about Utah and Oregon. I think uh, Softy and I are uh, calling for the Utah Utes to finally give Oregon a loss. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to be surprised if that happens. I believe that game is in Salt Lake. I think that's one of the tougher yeah. places to play in the conference. Um, and, and they seem, since Cameron Rising got into the lineup, they, they just seem like they've figured it out. All right, real quick, where are you at this weekend? I've got uh, Iowa State at Oklahoma. Okay, and then it's funny you mentioned Iowa State because Matt Campbell is a guy that's on the list here for many people, and how about this for a little fun fact, Joel? He's from the same hometown as Don James in, in Massillon, Ohio. Does Matt Campbell make sense in Seattle in your mind? Matt Campbell deserves a call from anybody with an opening. That's how highly I think of him. I love it. I think it. he's a phenomenal coach. Phenomenal coach. I love it. All right, Joel, great stuff, man. We appreciate you doing this, being flexible. Uh, great stuff. Enjoy the game, and we'll talk on Monday, pal. Thanks, Joel. Okay. See you guys. You got it, man. Joel Klatt with us on the radio show, courtesy of our friends at VenueKings.com. And that's another guy, uh, two from Fox, by the way, in the last two days that have come on this show and been pumping up Kalani Sataki at BYU. I think he's a great fit. I don't, I'm not going to say he's like number one with a bullet, but I think that I want a guy that's A, a head coach, and B, a head coach at a Power 5 caliber school. I know BYU is not technically a Power 5 school, but they are a Power 5 yeah. school as far as talent and as far as their schedule that they play. That's what I'd much rather see. A Matt Campbell, a Kalani Satagi. <clears throat> Justin Wilcox, a guy that knows what it's like to be the head coach at a Power 5 school and beat Power 5 teams without question, and that's what he's done. 19-3 and in the last yeah. 22 games, 4-0 yeah. against the Pac-12 this year. I just think that Washington should no longer be a training ground for coaches. I agree. Uh, I, I think you do that. You do that like you did with Sark when you're coming off the 0-12 season, but yeah. you don't You don't have to do that anymore, I think, at, at uh, UW. John Wilner, by the way, is with us. He'll come up next segment, courtesy of Simply Seattle. We'll continue this conversation, get his thoughts on what's happening on Montlake next on Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.